Each of us business owners wants more of some things and less of others. More sales, less warranty work, more reviews, fewer accidents. Make these mistakes less, follow this procedure more often. You could almost say our entire function as a business owner could be boiled down to attaining more of some things and less of others. Considering how much of our time is doing this, we still seem to struggle more than we would like. Why is that and how do we overcome it? Stay tuned to part one of this two-part series to find out. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So possibly the number one complaint or challenge brought to me by my business owner clients is that their team is not doing more of something or not doing less of something else. Some of the things I hear relating to this particular issue are statements like or questions like, why don't they get it? Why am I the only one who seems to take this seriously? What do I have to do to get to them to do this one simple thing? I've explained this to them 50 times. They still don't get it. People just don't care anymore. That's what the problem is. What do I have to do to get their attention? Am I really going to have to fire someone? They won't do what I need them to or even what I tell them to, and then they get pissed that I micromanage them. I've heard each one of these statements in the last, or questions in the last month alone. So because it's so prevalent, some questions become pretty obvious. Like, why is this a common frustration? Why is this problem universal? Is there a common denominator? If so many people face this, is a solution even possible? If so, what is it? And if there is a solution, why doesn't everybody just do that and solve the problem? Well, in short, the reason we have this, the reason this problem is so widespread is because the culprits all have one thing in common, and that is we're all human. This is not a business owner employee problem. This is a human behavior problem. So is there a solution? Of course there is. And good news, it's relatively simple. This isn't one of those things where it's simple, but not easy. It's simple, but we don't always like it. <laughs> Let me put it that way. There's times, no doubt, that it's easier than others. But it is relatively simple, and, and the solution for that, in my opinion, and I've thrown this at all kinds of problems, from attendance problems to sales problems to warranty problems to communication problems, you name the kind of problem with an employee, I've thrown this framework at it, and so far it's batting 1,000%. And it's the what, why, how framework. So the first thing we need is we need agreement and understanding of the what. What is the go- objective? What is What does success look like? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? Then we need agreement and understanding of the why. And then and only then can we move on to try to get, to get agreement and understanding of the how. In that order, every time. Now, adopting this approach not only saved my business at least one time, 
but it also made my life as a business owner so much easier. And for those of you who've been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about this, but it's so absolutely pertinent to this uh, particular topic. You know, back in 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, 2016 even, texting and driving became like a, a just a national crisis for for companies that had fleets of vehicles. And um, like many other companies, we we suffered the consequences. We had more accidents than we would like to admit from people texting and driving. And as that became to be, uh, became more of a pattern and a habit with our team, I mean, next thing you know, we're railing about this weekly, like literally every week, we're just like, like going crazy about this. Like this has to stop. We have to stop having accents because of texting and driving. You know, you have to stop doing this. Like, you know, this notion that, uh, um, this one time it's okay. Like we got to get rid of that. But, but the truth is when you have 40 something employees or 50 something employees, and 30 or 40 something vehicles, all it takes is 10% of them every day to be violating that, that non-violatable rule and bad things are going to happen. And so we railed about it, like I said, for months and months and months. And then we were pleading about it for months and months and months. Please, I mean, guys, like you have to stop. Like, I don't know what else to say. You have to stop. This, this can't go on. And the, uh, the consequences continue to pile up. And next thing you know, like we were on the verge of not, we were, we were in a situation where I didn't know personally, me speaking for me, I didn't know for a period of about eight days, if we were going to be able to get insurance when our, when our policy renewed, like it was really, really scary. Like for eight days, I didn't sleep. <laughs> I didn't know. We had had such a rash of, of problems <clears throat> that, uh, it just was an unknown. And shortly before that, when all this kind of came to a head, when when it became clear that the screaming and yelling, well, screaming and yelling is not fair. Railing is a better way to say it. Like like agitated speaking. I, you know, I'm not a screamer or yeller. That's not that's not my style. But letting people know like this was not going well. I was angry. I was frustrated. And again, pleading, begging, what whatever you want to call it, the stuff wasn't working. And so pretty soon uh, I changed my approach and, and things began to kind of fall into place. And so here's the thing that I've learned by analyzing that particular situation and applying the same framework to, like I said, all kinds of problems from sales problems to procedural problems to communication problems, like you name it. And, and like I said, this is batting a thousand. So here's one of the things I've learned with employees and why they don't do things. You know, I did a, a, a multi-part uh, uh, block of episodes here a few months ago. There's like six reasons employees don't do things. And I, th those are all true. And those are, you could meld those into what we're going to talk about this next week and next week. But the number one reason employees, in my opinion, based on my experience, both as a business owner and as a manager and a supervisor and a person now helping other folks who has an outsider's perspective, the number one reason employees do not do things is because they don't know exactly what we're trying to accomplish. So before we can go on to explain how we want something done, before we can explain we got this process or procedure we want followed, before we carry on about this particular activity we want to make sure it gets done on time, we must gain agreement on specifically what we're trying to accomplish 
And also, the second reason why people don't do things is because they don't know why it matters. They don't understand the consequences. They don't understand the stakes. So before we can have, uh, go on about how we want them to follow process or procedure, we have to explain and get them to understand what we're trying to accomplish and why it matters. And then and only then can we move on to how we're going to accomplish that. So in other situations, we can't focus on what we want. We want more sales, more reviews, less warranty work, fewer accidents, like I mentioned earlier. We must also get agreement and understanding of the why. Without agreement and understanding of the why, they may not have a compelling enough reason to do the how. The specific actions we're going to want them to take, which are very likely the ones they're doing now. We're going to want them to modify their behavior. And like it or not, if they don't understand why it matters and that reason is not compelling enough for them, they're not going to change their behavior. Now, we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on. I know that's frustrating. and We're going to talk about that. But it is what it is. I hate, I hate that saying, but it really, really applies here. This is human nature. People don't do things because we want them to. They do things because they want to. And then the last one is we can't just agreement on the what and the why. We can't just get agreement on we need more sales or, or even uh, certain metrics we want to hit and the why and not explain and get agreement and understanding on the how. Employees might, in fact, really want to bring in more sales and fully understand why it matters and have absolutely no idea how to do it. And the last thing they want to do is look stupid and tell you that. So all three components are critical, as is the order. What, why, how. And it's simple. What I love about this is it's simple. The simple framework. You can remember this when you're in the most heated conversation. You can remember three things. What, why, how. So this episode, we're going to talk about, like, why do we get in trouble with this? And then uh, we'll conclude that by the end of next um, week's episode, you'll have a very detailed, step-by-step, simple, yet detailed, step-by-step process to follow. So the most common way we get in trouble with this framework is by skipping one or more of these components. So when I say get in trouble with this framework, meaning one of the most um, common reasons we have tension or frustration or not in alignment with our employees on certain things is we we don't have a conversation that encapsulates all three of these elements. So we assume everyone knows what specifically success looks like. We want better attendance. Do we even agree on what, quote unquote, better attendance looks like? And I know that's a silly example. And for those who have, those of us who are, you know, 50 year older and have employees who are 25 or younger, I'm sorry, there's, there's not, there's not uh, a natural alignment there on what, quote unquote, better attendance looks like anymore. So assuming that they should know or they do know and they have the same idea of what that is as we do, in some cases, is going to just put us down the wrong path. Everyone does or should know why this matters one to change their behavior. So everybody should understand the why. Everybody should just know. They should know why this matters. And that should mean so much to them that they're going to change their behavior. That is a critical uh, step we skip or assumption we make. Uh, rather, uh, that's a, a, an assumptive thought process that I hear Pretty regularly. People should just know. They should just get it. Well, sometimes they don't. I'm sorry. They don't. And the third one is we assume that everybody knows exactly which actions to take to reach the desired outcome. Like, they, okay, again, like I want fewer warranty calls. Okay, well, we, we say that and we walk away assuming they know exactly what to do now. And in many cases, they do not. And in some cases, we don't know. So an extreme but not uncommon version of this like conversation, I just kind of encapsulate this assumptive conversation would sound like this. 
I've told them 50 times we need more sales. These guys can clearly produce a lot more than they are. I told them what we need. They obviously just don't care. The message came from me. Like, I'm the boss. That should be enough of a reason. And if they don't know how to get this done, then maybe I have the wrong people doing the job. So I've told them 50 times we need more sales. There's no clarity on that. These guys can produce a lot more. They should be. That's the what or this version of the what, which is not productive. I told them what we need. They obviously just don't care. The message came from me, the boss. Like that should be enough of a reason. That's not, that's there. That's the why in this case. That's not a compelling enough why in many cases. And if they don't know how to get done, maybe we should have somebody else do it. Well, and, and so we don't, we don't even discuss the how, but that is not an uncommon, again, a little extreme, but not un- terribly uncommon version of the kinds of things that frustrated people say. So while this approach I just described may have been acceptable and perceived to be effective in you know, 1981, I just don't think it's going to work now. And that doesn't mean um, the, I know people are going to hear me say that and think, oh yeah, of course he knows that the, the, the workforce is not as good as it was or not as, they don't care as much or they're not as this or that. There, there's, there's, a, there's a difference in opinion on what, some things nowadays than there was in 1981 for sure. However, I still think if, if you look at like, Japan and why the automotive, the Japanese automotive industry crushed it when the American automotive industry was sucking in this heyday of supposed good work, good work ethic. It's because they did the kind of things we're talking about right now really well. And we didn't, that's really what it comes down to. They talked about things and they were specific. They had very, they had objectives, they measured things and they monitored progress. They made improvements. Like that was in the heyday of our supposed work ethic in, in the late seventies, early eighties, whatever. So I, yes, I agree that things are different, but I don't have this uh, utopian uh, understanding of the early 80s like they were the, the best of times as far as this goes. We were getting crushed. We were getting absolutely smoked by everybody in the, in the world, I mean, now, at least in Asia. So I would also say no matter what era we're in, the less we confirm that people understand the measurable objective we're aiming for, if we have one, the more we are reducing our chances that they hit it. The less we confirm people understand the measurable objective we're aiming for, the less likely we're going to hit it. Like that, I don't know how many, anybody could argue with that statement. The less we confirm that they understand the stakes, the consequences, what we're trying to get or achieve by hitting this objective, the less they're able to buy into the need for change. And this is a big one. If they don't understand the stakes, they don't understand the consequences of not doing this, they don't understand what the benefits are of achieving this. That's the, that's the lever that they're going that we have to rely upon for them to change their behavior. We're going to ask them to change their behavior, change their actions. If the why is not compelling to them, they're not going to do it. I'm sorry. They're just not. And if we don't have confirmation that they know exact, the exact actions and tasks that will lead to success, how would we ever know if they truly wanted to do better but just didn't know how? So another uh, way we get off track with this uh, or another version of that is putting off part of the conversation. So I, this is a pretty regular regular occurrence too. Uh, or thinking we're going to do it all, but just out of order this time. And again, these many of us are not um, in tune with this what, why, how framework. This might be the first time you're hearing about it. But we, this is kind of how we converse in general. We make certain assumptions that they understand what we're trying to do. We make certain assumptions they understand why it matters. And then we maybe focus on the on the how. Like what, you know, I'm training this person how to do this thing. I got to teach them the steps to do. This is kind of a natural order for us to have a conversation, but we, we make certain assumptions. And, and part of what I'm going to talk about over the next two weeks is how to not make those assumptions that lead us down a bad path. So part of this is doing it out of order, which, which would sound like today I'm going to focus on making sure they know the process, the procedure, 
the actions, the tasks, and someday I'll worry about explaining the overarching goal we're trying to accomplish, the consequences of what we're trying to avoid. And what, you know, and what do you know? Someday just doesn't come. So we, t- we focus on the procedure, the procedure, the procedure. Last week we had a customer complaint because we didn't follow the procedure, 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 procedure. And they don't understand the overarching goal. Now, they may understand the technical goal. If you're putting in a water heater, they get we're trying to put a water heater in. But the procedure might have to do with how the customer feels about this experience. It might be the customer experience that is not being addressed because they don't follow a particular procedure. And they don't understand the emotional journey we're taking the customer on in this encounter. And so all they think about is the water heater. And they don't understand the emotional encounter. And that is where they have the disconnect. They don't understand the, the specific objective we're trying to reach in this path. Customer has these fears and concerns and hopes and wishes coming in. And we have to address those concerns. We have to address those fears. We have to leave them. We want to leave them at at the end of this experience feeling this way and having these thoughts and having this excitedness or satisfaction or whatever you're aiming for. If we don't declare that and have agreement upon that's what we're aiming for, they're not as likely to hit it, right? And then another way we, we get in trouble with this is we're always trying to save time. And I tell you, the, the amount of hours we cost ourselves by trying to save time is astronomical. So here's what I've seen this look like, both myself and in others. We have this really important topic on our agenda in our weekly or monthly meeting, along with, you know, 10 other things. So we got to get through it fast. So how are we going to make an impact by getting through it fast? I'm going to get my point across in a short amount of time, because this time they're going to see how angry I am or how frustrated or exasperated or how sad or distraught, or I'm just at my wits end. If I rant really hard for three minutes, they're going to get it. Maybe if I even curse a time or two and shock them, they'll see how serious I am. Then I can move on to something that's less frustrating to talk about in our conversation because we don't want to spend the whole meeting talking about bad things. So we rant and we rail and they nod at all the appropriate times and show how serious they are taking this by having serious looks on their faces and there's no murmuring, and there's no whispering, and there's certainly no joke telling. Everybody gets how serious this is. And then we move on. And the results? No change. They either don't know exact, exactly what success looks like, which means they aren't going to change their behavior because, well, what's the point of doing this thing the boss wants if we don't even know how to tell when we've done it, other than more or less yelling from the boss? They don't know why this matters other than it's causing you to act like a crazy person, which, sorry, again, may not be enough to get them to change their behavior or they don't know exactly what actions to take or which tasks to focus on that will achieve the desired outcome. The next thing is we can, and I want to talk about this. I know this is a, this is a topic that um, um, is very sensitive for a lot of folks, but we can just give too much credence to the idea that, that people should do things because we want them to really badly, which in my opinion is just counterproductive. I'm sorry. People don't make decisions and take actions based on what other people want. None of us do, including your employees, including my employees. We all make decisions based upon which of our options is least uncomfortable. We avoid discomfort, period. If I can, do the, if I can avoid doing this uncomfortable thing that the boss is telling me to, that's just a big giant, I perceive it as a pain in my butt. Whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. I perceive this thing to be that the boss wants me to do as a pain in my butt. And the consequences of not doing this thing for a week or a month 
is listening to the boss rant for three minutes and then I get on with my day, that the math might work out. And I might say that's that's worth it. Now I don't know that you would consciously do that. But my point is getting hollered at once a month or once a week for three minutes to avoid a half an hour a day of doing something you don't want to do, like the math is pretty simple on that. It just might not be worth it to them. They might say, again, consciously or unconsciously or subconsciously, it's worth it. <laughs> I'll get hollered at for three minutes to save myself two and a half hours a week of nonsense I don't want to do. So for those struggling with the notion that the boss being adamant or pissed enough about something isn't necessarily enough to, to motivate a change in behavior, I know this is hard. And some of you who started out listening to this episode may have already tuned it, tuned or turned it off because you think I'm nuts. And I get that. I know it's frustrating. I can't tell you how many times I've begged and threatened and pleaded and, and raised my voice and railed for people to stop texting and driving and stop doing these other things and start following this procedure. But the truth is there's a buy-in spectrum for things we ask of employees. There's a spectrum of how much they understand consequences of not doing what we ask without any explanation from us. They probably get you can't walk around the office touching people inappropriately. So you only have to cover your harassment policy once a year. And that's just a CYA move. Like they get it naturally. They, of course they get that. And the one guy you hire every five years who doesn't get it, you fire him in three weeks. It doesn't matter. They get that there's consequences that that are very serious and it's natural. But if you ask them to start each day by jumping up and down on one foot 10 times before they come in the door of the office, they would think you'd lost your mind. And they would probably disregard that notion entirely. That whole, they would request, they would just toss it out and say, you're nuts. I'm not doing that. And there's everything in between. So we go from zero buy-in, like jumping on one foot to gain entry in the building, to partial buy-in, to mainly buying in, to fully buying in. There is a spectrum there. And we have to just, we have to understand we can't just assume or demand that they fully buy into every single thing we say because we say it. Like, it just doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. I wish it did. If it did, how much easier would our lives be? <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. They're going to buy into some things more than others. And a lot of that has to do with how well they understand the consequences, how well they understand the stakes. Declaring they should buy into this particular thing more than they currently are is a waste of time and completely defers responsibility. In fact, one of the words I would recommend we remove from our vocabulary as managers and business owners entirely is the word should. Anytime we're saying they should, employees should, customers should, my partner should, we're likely heading down the wrong road. The question should be, or instead of saying we should, like, what is the compelling reason for them to do this? That should be the question rather than declaring they should do this thing or that thing, or they should care more about this or care less about that. Like, should is a dangerous word, I think. Anyhow, you've heard me say that everything I share is predicated on the idea that you believe your team wants to do a good job and are coachable. If they don't want to do a good job, they shouldn't be your employee. Now, I know that's easier said than done right now in this labor market. I get that. But if you believe that they want to do a good job and you aren't getting the buy-in you want, then we have to change our approach and our actions to get the success we want. That's our job as a business owner. That's the job as a, as a leader, as a manager. We have to be the ones to change and adapt to get the buy-in and get the success we need. A crappy labor pool can't be the excuse to not get it done. And if you wish you could hire someone different, but you're stuck with this person because you can't hire anyone better right now, it's still you who has to change. They're not going to. So you can keep ranting and raving like I did and begging and pleading like I did, or you can switch to trying to figure out, do they understand what we're trying to accomplish? Is there a compelling reason for them to want to do this? Which could be as simple as they want some recognition, like, you know, are they driven by recognition? Are they driven by being liked? Are they driven by being right? Are they driven by um, 
uh, I can't remember the fourth one off the top of my head here, but are they driven by these things, whichever one of these things are? How do you incorporate that, what, they're dri- what drives them into getting compliance, right? Um, okay, so what else do we avoid in the what, why, how solution? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. First, let me tell you that this episode is being released on October 4th, 2022. And the uh, My Success Works group community is in open enrollment right now through the end of October. This only happens three times a year. What is this My Success Works group community you're talking about? It's my group coaching program. Again, enrollment only opens three times a year. And the next enrollment period won't be until spring of 2023. So if you want to join other home, auto, and B2B business owners who understand and have already or are working to overcome the exact challenges you're facing, this is a great group for you. You know, I only talk about things that I know work from personal experience. You can learn specific skills and strategies that will show you how to build a business that provides you with more time and income. You can learn exactly where you should be focusing your energy right now based on where your business is to make the most amount of progress. Learn a step-by-step actionable plan to overcome every employee challenge you're facing right now. You can learn all the things that are how to develop the things that are going to help you with marketing, like problem solving, like we, we cover it all. It's a fantastic group of uh, like-minded people. Uh, it's the least expensive um, coaching product I offer. And uh, it's fantastic. The time commitment is not is not significant. The pricing is way less than you would think it would be. So to see what it's all about and to book a complimentary no-pressure call with me, go to www.serviceindustrysuccess.com. That's www.serviceindustrysuccess.com. Check it out. There's an explanation on there. You can book a free call with me. We'll see if it's a good fit for you. If it is, we'll move forward. If it's not, that's okay. So here's some of the other reasons we fail at this what, why, how solution. One of them is delayed consequences. There are immediate consequences if, for instance, you're uh, cooking a meal with somebody and one of you is making chicken salad and the other one's making goulash. That becomes evident really quickly. And you either have to change your actions or change your expectation of the outcome. One of you can stop making the dish you're making and begin helping the other person make their dish. Or you can have a little bit of both. But if you set out to make one meal and share one meal and you end up making two different things, like you recognize that quickly, there's immediate consequences. There's no immediate consequences if you declare that more sales or more reviews are needed. Whether or not you hit that arbitrary goal won't be known for some time, if ever. Since consequences are not immediate, we focus on other things that might have immediate consequences. So we find out Johnny's on a job site and they ran out of flux capacitors on the job site. Well, who's going to get Johnny the parts so he can finish this job today? He's got a job he has to start tomorrow and he can't be delayed. He's got to get on time and all this stuff. That becomes the urgent thing and more sales gets pushed to the back burner because it's arbitrary and there's, and, and there's no immediate consequences. Another one is we're avoiding fear or discomfort of our own. Remember, we all make decisions based on which option will lead to the least amount of discomfort. If we agree exactly on which actions they then tasks they must do, the employees, and they don't do them, I'll have to hold them accountable. Well, having to hold them accountable might lead to uncomfortable conversations or some conflict. And maybe I don't like conflict. It might lead to discomfort because I might feel like they don't like me if I have to hold them accountable. They might leave and get pissed at me if, and I'd be worse off than I am now if they left. So we make decisions based on what's least uncomfortable for us also. Um, I might have to come clean and publicly acknowledge. I don't know how to answer how to solve the problem. I don't know what tasks are going to accomplish this goal. I don't know what the problem is. And if I don't know what actions, tasks, or processes would improve our performance, If they learn that, holy smokes, my status is going to suffer. Like, that's not good. I don't want to do that. So it's much easier just to say I want more sales and less warranty work than to declare we got a problem here and I don't know how to fix it. That's a really hard thing for some of us. I've been there. I get it. And the last thing is um, 
hope. When hope is the primary strategy, why bother figuring out the details? Why would somebody pick hope? Well, hope is easy. Hope is an easier path. If it works, you didn't have to do anything. If it doesn't, you don't have to worry about it until later on. But right now, it's not a pressing issue because we hope it works out. So how do you know if hope is your strategy? Well, in next week's episode, I'm going to walk you through a simple six-step process to make sure you aren't relying upon hope and give you a simple, I mean, this is really, really easy. I hope you tune in next week and listen. It's a really easy six-step process. Um, we're going to take some time and go through it in detail, but you literally can do this in 20 seconds. So uh, so just to wrap up, remember all three of these elements are critical, as is the order. I can't stress enough that not only do you have to hit all three elements, but we have to do it in the right order. What, why, how? And why do we get in trouble with this? The most common reason is we skip one or more of the steps. We assume people know what we're trying to do. What We assume that they know what success looks like. We assume that everybody should know why this matters and they should know and it should matter enough to change their behavior. And we assume everybody knows exactly what actions to take and to reach the desired outcome. Just remember that the what, why, how in every instance, you aren't getting the kind of success you want. If you just remember what, do they know what the goal is, objective is, why it matters, how we do it. Every time you're not getting the kind of success you want or the buy-in you need, these are the kind of questions we're going to ask. Another version is putting off part of the conversation or thing we're going to get to it. Uh, we'll do it out of order this time. Today, I'm going to focus on the making sure they know the process. We're going to hit the how today, and someday I'm going to worry about explaining the overarching goal and why it matters. And then someday never comes. We have to do all three, what, why, how, in order, all at once, so they have the full context. The next one is we're saving time. If this really important topic on our agenda, in our weekly meeting, along with 10 other things, we got to hit it really fast. So I'm going to, I'm going to be really passionate this time. I'm going to show them how sad I am and how frustrated or how angry or how distraught or whatever. I'm going to rant really hard for three minutes and that way they'll get it. Maybe I'll throw a curse word or two in. They'll see how serious I am. We rant, they nod, we all move on. Result, nothing changes. We give too much credence to the idea that people should do things because we want them to really badly, which again, I think is just counterproductive. People don't make decisions and take actions because of what other people want. None of us do, period. We make decisions based upon which of our options is the least uncomfortable. We avoid discomfort. That's how we make decisions in our, in our basic wiring. And if I can avoid doing this really uncomfortable thing, it's a pain in my butt and the consequences are getting yelled at once a week, that might be okay with me. Speaking of consequences, another one is delayed consequences. Since consequences are not immediate, we can focus on other things. You know, like we got to get parts to Johnny on the job site. That matters right now because he can't be late because he's got a job to do tomorrow. So we're going to focus on that instead of this other thing that's more of a nebulous, longer-term thing like less warranty work or more upsells or whatever it is. And a lot of times it comes down to we're just plain old-fashioned avoiding the fear of our own, avoiding discomfort of our own. If we make decisions based on which option, or we make decisions based on which option will lead to the least amount of discomfort for us, just like we're frustrated that they do. If we agree upon which actions and tasks they must do and they don't do them, well, that means I have to hold them accountable. And for some of us, that is not what we want to do. We do not like conflict, some of us. Some of us don't like uh, difficult or uncomfortable conversations. They might not like me. They might get pissed and leave, and that'll be worse off than I am now. I might have to come clean and acknowledge I don't have the knowledge that will solve the problem. And that one is really hard for us too. If I tell them I don't know what I'm doing on everything, my status might suffer. So last one is hope. When hope's strategy, like why bother figuring out the details? Why would we pick hope? Hope is easy. If it works, we didn't have to lift a finger. If it doesn't, eh, we'll deal with it then. But right now it's not pressing anymore. So 
Again, how do you know if, it's, if hope is your strategy? Next week, we're going to walk you through a step-by-step, six-step process to make sure you're not doing that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Don't miss your last opportunity of 2022 to join our My Success Warrior group coaching program. We can, along with other business owners, learn and implement proven real-life solutions, just like the one we're talking about here, the challenges you're facing today. <clears throat> Only able to enroll through October, so you got you to gotta act pretty quick here. And uh, thanks for tuning in this week. I can't wait to get to next week. I've been I've been really excited about this topic, getting ready for you guys for a long time. So uh, hey, if you get some value out of this thing, please just do me a favor, like shoot a shoot a review or in a rating. Share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Like if it's helping you, like let, let's share it with other folks, right? That's all I ask is uh, let's help as many folks as we can. So uh, sorry I ran so long today. This is gonna be a, a good topic. Though. I'm really excited about it. So uh, and that's it for this week. And I'll see you all next week. <laughs>